your job is to pay very close attention to the nonverbal cues and also the verbal cues of you can hear if somebody's voice is shaky. You can hear if they're stumbling for to find the right phrasing. So your job is to hone into that and help them. You know, I've had people say, oh, I can't remember the name of that director. And they, I could feel their, they felt a little embarrassed. I said, that's okay. I'll Google it. So I was on the air and I'm Googling it. Whatever. Are you ready to become a world-class interviewer, stand out with your podcast, and create an incredible audio experience for your listeners so that they keep coming back to your show and become raving fans? Welcome to the Podcast Interview Mastery, a weekly interview show where you will hear world-class podcast hosts and interviewers share their stories, tips, and strategies on how to become a master interviewer and hone your craft as a host. Are you ready to boost your confidence and inspire the masses? If so, buckle up, my friend, because this podcast will show you how. I'm your host, Tibor Nod, founder and host of the top-ranked Mindset Horizon podcast. Welcome, my friend, back to the podcast interview mastery show. I'm super grateful for you tuning into this podcast today. I really hope that today's episode is going to be highly valuable to you. But before we dive in, I wanted to mention that I've created a Facebook group called the Podcast Interview Nation Community, where we can support each other along the way to the top. If you feel inspired to join this community of dedicated podcast hosts who are serious about their show and aiming to become world-class, join the community at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview nation. That's again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview nation. I'm more than excited to welcome you and connect with you in the Facebook group. And now let me introduce today's guest. So today I am joined by Janine Bernstein, who is a writer, speaker, radio host, and producer with KUCI 88.9 FM. She earned a doctorate from Boston University and received degrees from Syracuse University in communications and education. Last year, her first book, Get the Funk Out, Blank Happens, What to Do Next, about creating resilience and strength through life's curveballs was published by Post Hill Press and distributed by Simon & Schuster. She currently speaks to kids and adults about finding resilience in challenging times and making mental, physical, and emotional health a priority. Her new online series, Outside the Box, features industry experts sharing advice on how to find work remotely or pivot to a new venture. At the beginning of today's episode, we talk about Janine's journey and motivations behind becoming a radio talk show host. During the interview, we talk about how to make your guest comfortable feel at ease, and bring the best out of the conversation by focusing on the whole person. We discuss the importance of intuition, curiosity, and flow in a conversation, and also the importance of compassion and empathy when it comes to conducting better interviews. Closer to the end, Janine also recommends books to the listeners, and she mentions interviewers that we can all listen to so that we can take our interviewing skills to the next level. If you want to find out more about today's guest, then check out the free resources, interview tips, book recommendations, and detailed show notes. Simply head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. 
That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. And so without any further ado, let's welcome today's incredible guest. Hi, Janine, and welcome to the podcast interview mastery show. Hi, Tibor. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I am super excited to have this conversation with you today. I was excited when I prepared for this conversation. And uh, before I hit the record button, I already told you a little bit about this show and the mission of this show. And I'm just grateful for having experts on like you. So I'm excited to learn more about you and and learn more about how you, you know, became a radio host, for example. And then I'd love to start this conversation with this question, actually. So how did you decide and and, and how did you know and when did you know that you want to start your own radio talk show? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. I actually had a love of radio growing up. I grew up in New York City and then Connecticut. And I would say the power of the radio, the voices of the DJs just hooked me from a young age. And I knew this was something really important in my life. So I went to Syracuse University and I started minoring in communications and TV, radio, and film, but I didn't really have the confidence and the direction. So I went in a completely opposite direction. I went into education with a blend of communications, but I was very intrigued by the voiceover world. So I started taking classes. And when I landed in California in 2000, I met someone who invited me on her radio show because I was producing a music event for women. And I said, how did you get a radio show? And she said, oh, UC Irvine offers training, a 10-week course free to the community. So I jumped on that and I started a three-hour music show every week. I had to start it at 6 a.m. So can you imagine what time I had to get up? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I was live. And I have to say, doing that, I was so passionate. I learned a lot. I learned, don't try to be somebody else. Find your authentic voice. Uh, Know how to roll with when things go wrong. Because Tibor, oh my gosh, live radio? things go wrong and they went wrong and, (laughs) and I'd be sweating and, you know, flipping out. But along the way, I just started coming into my own and finding my own voice and it, it became an incredible journey. Wow. That's really, really interesting. So I'm just taking notes because you've mentioned, for example, that things go wrong. And uh, with podcasting, I think we have this flexibility that we can you know, edit the recordings and, and stuff like that. So I, I, I'm not sure yes. if I can handle a ra- live radio right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's, what's the difference? I'm just curious. And how did you develop this skill set for, for, you know, being comfortable and confident in live radio? I have a very powerful tip, and I think you're going to like this. I studied acting. I studied improv. And what that does, especially improv, is when you're thrown the unexpected, you just say yes, you just go for it. You just you just handle that situation without overthinking, without questioning. So for instance, I'm interviewing Holland Taylor and someone else. Um, I forget his name at the time. Anyway, the point is she was going, I think, through a tunnel, whether it was Holland or somebody else, 
this person was going through a tunnel and we lost the call live radio. And I have the <laughs> phone patch and here, now I'm talking to one guest and maybe that one guest phone is kind of has static. So instead of getting nervous, I'll say, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? We're going to take a quick break and listen to this new song by blah, blah, blah. And you know what? We'll be right back as soon as we can find them. You know, so I learned to kind of have a sense of humor, to roll with it, because people will really appreciate authenticity and not trying to be someone else. That's that's really amazing. Be yourself. <laughs> be yourself. I love that. I want to dive a little bit deeper into your radio talk show and and how you started it. So it's the Get the Funk Out because first you were a DJ and then you started the show, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's that's correct. Yeah, I did. I started Get the Funk Out in 2011 and up from 2007, 2010, I was hosting a music show called Moms Rock the House fe- featuring uh, women musicians. And I lost mm-hmm. a, a dear friend of mine I grew up with on the East Coast. I lost her in December 2010, and I was a wreck. I was in a mega funk. And I tell people, you know, there's no time frame for grief. It's your own time frame. And as long as you're taking small steps in the right direction. So my step was to take a year off from radio. And then I started coming up with the idea of, wait, I don't want to go back and host a music show. I would like to come back and host a talk show. And what if I called it Get the Funk Out? And at the time, my dad said, you cannot call it that. (laughs) 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 Oh, and it was funny because he was the king of the F-bombs. And I thought, what? Really, dad? (laughs) So I did it anyway. And I would test it out on people and people would laugh. And it became a platform for people to share their own stories of what they went through while giving me something important to do in this world. My, as someone said to me, my legacy. And it yes, became yes. an amazing thing. And Tibor, some days I would open my mail and all of a sudden there's a book on improv comedy or you know, creativity when you're feeling down. And it, it became these strange, wonderful gifts every day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. So I kind of like was wondering about this motivation behind this show and, and the story behind it because, and you've mentioned legacy. So I started a Mindset Horizon podcast for an impact reason, let's say so. So I wanted to spread these messages. I also wanted to connect with others who are in this personal development world and, and talk about mindset, leadership. Well, we talk about lots of different things, but um, who do you interview or who did you start interviewing on that show and what were the what was the mission of of the show I remember interviewing people who all kinds of people filmmakers artists comedians people with journeys of surviving cancer loss incredible incredible loss and what happened is I because I I have a doctorate in educational media and technology. I called it mental boot camp. I went back to school when I was feeling very lost. And I really loved qualitative research. So I'm not sure if you know much about that, but basically you look for themes. You you don't just go on your first impression of something. You look for themes and what pops up. So what happened was I'm talking to people and I call them conversations, not really interviews. And I noticed people would say interesting things about resilience and self-care and 
all these themes would pop up. So I decided after speaking to one of my guests to tell her, you know, I think I have a book idea. I, I think this could be a book. And she's told me to go for it. So um, in a nutshell, I took 24 guests and I asked for their permission to include their transcripts in the book. And I looked at the recurring themes of what we do for resilience in our lifetime. That's really interesting. This is how the book was born, Get the Funk Out, right? Well, the book is called Get the Funk Out. Bleep happens, what to do next. And it's not really bleep. You can fill in whatever you want, whatever word. Pizza happens, you know. <laughs> yeah, blank happens. Blank yeah. happens. And I share my own stories of loss because while I started the book in a notebook and I used to see my dad on the East Coast in 2015, August, he was diagnosed with cancer, stage four cancer. So I thought, oh my gosh, I am in a funk. What What is a funk and where do these things come from? And I started kind of putting my research hat on and flushing this out in a notebook. And it was very cathartic just to write anyway. So why not do something meaningful? Wow, that's really interesting. And and one of the main topics is is resilience, right? So yes. how to, let's say, how to handle adversities in life. Yeah, and then how to move forward and... So it's 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 an inspiration. It really has been an unbelievable gift because you know we go through these very very challenging times, and I have a a mantra that sometimes the worst thing that happens to you can turn out to be the best thing that ever happened. And I have to say, you know, we we need to face those tough emotional times, but there are sometimes gems at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. And we are going to dive deeper into this <laughs> on the Mindset Horizon podcast, <laughs> I, I suppose. And, um, you know, I wanted to focus on the podcasters who are just hungry to learn from you. And uh, first and foremost, I wanted to ask you about this because I wasn't sure. So to get the funk out, was it a live radio? Because I've yes. seen your YouTube channel and yes. then it's put on YouTube as well. And I wasn't sure if it's pre-recorded or it's live. Okay. So I'll explain. In March, we all work, decided to work remotely. We had to work remotely. So nor normally on Mondays, I'd go into the station. I'd do my live show. Uh, it was very unusual for me to do anything pre-recorded unless it was a conflict with a guest, with a schedule. So now starting in March, I was originally just doing audio from my voiceover studio in my house. And I just said to myself one day, wait a minute, why not do this as video so people can actually see my guests and hear my guests? So I switch gears, which this is a good um, little tip for people right now, starting off. Don't just think down one direction. Think about how to open up your viewing audience. So instead of just audio, I opened it up to video and what happened was it was a wonderful gift because I'd be talking to somebody in Bulgaria, in Paris, et cetera, et cetera. And oh, to wow. have an opportunity to meet people face to face during a pandemic was incredible. Of course, I had to figure out what am I going to wear? <laughs> I got to look <laughs> camera ready and all that, but what a gift and it has been wonderful. So what you're seeing on YouTube Mm -hmm. are, are a couple things. One is the get get the funk out. And I do that pre-recorded. And sometimes I'm doing it five days a week. 
And wow. I'm, yeah, I'm putting different clips up there. And I've interviewed so many more people, wonderful conversations, especially people sharing what they're going through now. And then I launched another show yeah. because I started thinking, wait, what about the 40 million people out of work? And mm, sure, yeah. they, you know, they care obviously about self-care for their own mental and physical and emotional health, but what can I offer the world right now using my skill set and that would add value? So I came up with the idea of outside the box with Janine Bernstein. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw that, but that's basically yeah. me interviewing experts on finding work remotely and how to be an entrepreneur. That's amazing. I, I appreciate you doing that. And, and that's a great idea. I also started, for example, a Facebook group just because of, of COVID. I wanted to support yes. people to be able to get on podcasts and share their messages. I started doing more podcasts. So I was like, what can I do? And you know, this is what I like about this medium that you can create this platform to share important messages. And now it's it's important, for example, the outside the box. And I, I'm happy for that. And the reason why I asked you about you know, if it's a live radio, because I was a little bit confused because of the YouTube channel, is now doing live interviews is a little bit different, as I've mentioned. And I've interviewed mainly people who do pre-recorded conversations, podcast hosts, and I asked them about interviewing skills. But that that's a little bit different because you can edit a lot afterwards. And then I'm curious about your skill set when it comes to interviews and and especially in live radio, like, you know, how do you conduct interviews? How do you prepare? What do you do exactly? Well, what I initially do is I ask everybody for a brief bio, a picture, any other information they would like me to post. And I have a show blog. And that blog has been going since 2007. That's for Get the Funk Out show. And so so I get all their information. I do, my, I do some homework on them. Um, they might send me a book if they're an author. I don't realistically have time to read every page of their book, but I do review their books. I, I read some of the books. I come up with some questions, but I make my show very organic. So by that, yes, it's very important for them to have a platform to feature their book. However, what's really interesting is when they share their backstory, is when they share something that's surprising. Because a lot of mm. authors, they send out, their PR people send out, these are the questions you can ask. I seldom ask those questions because I just like imagining I'm sitting down with them, having a cup of coffee. And mm -hmm. I say, so we're going to touch on your book, but how did you become an author? And one woman said, you know, I used to be a boxer and, <laughs> and, and then wait, and then I had a brain tumor and then I did this and then I did that. And we, we are comprised of many, many layers and experiences, and that is what makes an interesting conversation. Wow, absolutely. I, I, I love the why question. So, for example, why someone started something? What was the thinking, the story behind that, right? I mean, sure. yeah, I think that's, that's really interesting. You know, it's true because I, I shared it on, on the podcast a couple of times, so I used to work as an architect, right? And then I started a podcast. And it's interesting because- That's so interesting. What, 
this is what makes my story unique. With podcasters, it's interesting because many of them have different stories, different, they come from different fields. And uh, well, people start podcasts for different reasons. But I kind of like wanted to dive deeper into your skill set a little bit more. So you, when you conduct the interviews, right? So what are some of the things that you do? Like, is it is it listening just to give you some uh, ideas here? Or, or how do you try to bring the best out of that person who you're talking to? Well, the most important thing I do is to tell them at the very beginning, this is very conversational. I'm not going to throw you any curveballs. I don't ask any personal prying questions, especially if I'm interviewing somebody that's very famous and very well-known. It's none of my business who they're dating. It's none of my business to pry and make them feel uncomfortable. That's not professionalism and journalism. So my interest is in making them feel as comfortable as possible in sharing whatever level of detail they feel comfortable with. So that's where we start from that place of safety and comfort. And then, you know, I'll ask them, how did you decide to write this book? And they might talk about how they had a previous career. And I'll say, well, how did you get into that? And they might say, well, you know, I lost my dad or my mom, or I had a terrible breakup. And, you know, well, what was it that you learned about that experience? What'd you learn from that? Like, you know what I mean? So it becomes this very organic mm-hmm. um, conversation that is unique to everybody. No two conversations and format are the same. And I think people really appreciate that and treating them as individuals and not just asking the same old PR questions that being asked, you know, and they, I think they appreciate the individual attention. So I would say, um, get to know them as a person, never ask anything personal. You want them to be comfortable with you because it's a very raw feeling. They're, they're being recorded. They're sharing themselves. Um, perhaps they want to share how they became a writer. Well, where do you write? Somebody might say, well, I write when everybody's asleep or one day a week, I leave my husband to take care of the kids and I go spend time. And and so I love for them to share the process and the inspiration and who they are. And then of course, we'll touch on their book. But you see what I mean? It, it's a whole picture of the person. Yeah, I love that. I couldn't agree more, but I, I am curious about some details. <laughs> you know, for example, when you try to make them comfortable, like how do you do this? Because um, this is something I'm I'm trying to do, especially in the beginning, and I, I think it's important to. What are some of the ways you you make sure they feel safe? Well, like I said, that very first conversation before we even are recording, and then let's say because this has happened, people might stutter or they might be a, you know at a loss for words. Some people get nervous. Yeah. Some yeah. some people can be great in pre-recorded, but if they're live or or they're just nervous in general. So you throw them a lifeline whenever possible. So if somebody is struggling and you know what word they're trying to say, and you might say, oh, New York, you know, and and you just, oh, I mess up all the time. Just be empathetic, be compassionate. Because if you sit in their shoes and perhaps they have no experience being interviewed on very many shows, there's, it's very nerve wracking. It's 
it's scary for them, you know, when you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of the reasons I tell my guests this very fact that it's a pre-recorded conversation or it's a recording and then, you know, we can edit the track. So most of the times it helps the guests relax because they know that, oh, okay, I can rephrase my, you know, whatever I want to say. Yes. It's, it's important because they can then feel safe and they can open up more easily. Now, I've heard something that people usually open up after after a while, after 10, 20 minutes, and then then basically then you can go deeper as an interviewer. Um, did you use something like that or have you heard about something like that? Not really, because by then I'm done. <laughs> 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 if they don't open up in the first few minutes, hey. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because, you know, when you think about it, are you... Do you think you're going to listen to an hour-long podcast? I, I, I am. I'm the 30, 30 minute. <laughs> oh, see, 30 minute is good. 30 minute is good. But I think, you know, if you invite somebody to be on your show, you you don't want somebody who's very nervous. Like you would hope that they would be okay. And but But like I said, your job is to pay very close attention to the nonverbal cues and also the verbal cues of you can hear if somebody's voice is shaky you can hear if they're stumbling for to find the right phrasing so your job is to to hone into that and help mm-hmm. them you know i've had people say oh i can't remember the name of that director and that i could feel their they felt a little embarrassed i said that's okay i'll google it so i was on the air and i'm googling it whatever <laughs> That's, but that's real, right? That is real. And that's important to be really kind and very real, especially right now with the quarantine, because everybody is so open and raw and, you know, we have to be sensitive to that. Yeah. Wow. I love that. So uh, listening is important. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like translating it in a way that, I mean, hearing those cues that you mentioned, and when you when you were talking about asking questions, I was wondering if you prepare the questions or or how do you ask the questions? Like, do you trust your intuition in the conversation and then your curiosity, or how do you lead the conversation? Sometimes I prepare questions. They might not be a lot of questions. They might be six questions, four questions. I receive a lot of information specifically about films and authors. So I have the general idea if we're talking about a film or a book. And then I just see where it goes from there because like I said, a lot of times somebody will say something. Mm-hmm. And so for instance, if I'm talking about, oh, I'm writing, I wrote this script during COVID and all this stuff was going on. And I got this idea when I was taking my long walks because I do that seven days a week. And what if you turned to me and said, well, why do you walk seven days a week? Like, was there something like, you know what I mean? Like you look for yeah. cues in the conversation mm-hmm. and you improvise. And that, that might open up me saying, well, years ago, my dad was struggling with cancer and I, I needed to just move my body and process things. And, and, you know, that's what made me become a better writer. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have similar experiences when I, for example, get into a kind of like a flow state and and, and in the yes. conversation, you know, something triggers something in me and I, and I start talking about that out of nothing, right? I don't know how you call it. Maybe it's intuition or 
it just comes, right? Right. Yeah, and then what I'm wondering about is is how we can, uh, you know, deconstruct it for people to help them kind of like cultivate this or or work on this, improve this. I think flow flow has a lot to do with this as you're getting into a different state and you come up with things that you didn't even think about you will come up with, I think, as a question also, right? I mean, sometimes I have questions out of nowhere. I could call it curiosity. I could call it intuition. Um, not sure how to call it. <laughs> it's But that that's all good. That And you should have a a curiosity about life, about a conversation and be very inquisitive because I think that's what makes a great conversation is a love of learning, a curiosity for someone. And so for instance, if I said to you, um, you know what, I'm going to have to cut out early because I have a guitar lesson. Thank you so much. And then you didn't do anything with that. And you said, and, but you could have turned it around and said, guitar, when did you start playing guitar? Oh, I played years ago and, but I picked it back up during quarantine. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, look for those precious gems in your conversation because that will make you unique and that will make your guest feel comfortable if you ask it the right way and make them feel comfortable. I love that. I love that. I feel for me, there is one challenge when it comes to this, what you're talking about is when I'm distracted and I get out of this flow state when I'm not present, right? For some reason, oh, right? Yeah. So for example, I usually prepare an outline. I have some questions and I usually, where I sometimes look at the questions and I feel that I'm getting out of this flow state or, or being present with the guest. And what I have been trying to do recently since I started this podcast is just going with the flow especially in yes. my Facebook group, because I started streaming live interviews. And my intention with that was let's just do interviews where I don't really prepare. I just right. have this conversation and I trust myself and I trust my, I don't know, intuition, curiosity, uh, f- flow, however you want to call it. Well, all of it, all of the above. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think a big distraction is is when you get out of this present um, flow state in the conversation. Let's say the guest is talking, you are talking to me, and I, I'm not really paying attention because I am thinking about what to ask next. And so I think, as you're suggesting, being present is really important to hear those little things that you can basically grasp on as, as and, and ask a follow-up question, for example, right? Yes, because can you imagine if somebody is sharing something very personal and you happen to look down because you get a text <laughs> and they've just told you oh. that their you know, certain relative yeah. um, has COVID and you said, oh, okay. So, uh, so a next question, wow. you know, like you, you missed, you do not want to miss an opportunity to be uh, human and be, be present. And, and where there's so much distraction with phones and emails it's important to really tune in and pay attention because people will know. I love that. I love that. And that is why I prefer audio interviews. And uh, I was thinking maybe in the future, I'm going to use not Zancaster, but Zoom to conduct interviews. And maybe I'm going to switch on the video in the beginning for the small talk. And then I will definitely switch back to audio because 
I don't know how you felt. Like, are you not distracted by the video since you started conducting also video interviews? Well, once I got through the negative self-talk, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, so for instance, what I mean by that is, oh my God, look at my hair or, you know, and like at the beginning, it's stupid, but I see my guests do the same thing. Like they'll actually apologize for, oh, I'm sorry. My hair looks like, and, and, or I was just working out and I realized, oh my gosh, we're all filled with such self-criticism and negative self-talk. It's ridiculous. So I just, before I start that video interview, I will put the setting on, look at myself, check myself, take a deep breath, go, come on, that, we're good. Let's go. Let's roll. And that's what you have to do. It's like being, it's really like being an athlete. I compare it to you, you prepare and then you, you just let it go and you get ready to hit a home run. Absolutely. It's really, really interesting. And um, one of the things I was wondering about is, did you have any do you have any story where, where you made a mistake or a big mistake when it comes to interviews and you learn from that in about 10 years? I think you, we really need to pay attention to always knowing how to pronounce somebody's name because you don't want to start your you know recorded show by mispronouncing somebody's name. It's, it's, it's insulting. And I've struggled with people's names. And I, I will say to them, even live, uh, as I'm introducing them, oh, did I please tell me if I really messed up your name. Could you give me the correct pronunciation? I'm so, you know, I apologize. But typically, just write it down phonetically Just and make yourself a little thing of how you're going to remember it. But make a point of pronouncing somebody's name correctly. If it's pre-recorded, that's easy. You can fix it, you know, in post-production. Um, but that's something that's just really important. And because you want to have people feel like you've done your homework. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then saying someone's name is also just like I think another level or adds to the level of having this rapport maybe that you are saying the name of the person and uh, or maybe it makes it more personal. At least what it, it is what I feel when the guest is saying my name I'm like, "Oh, that's really cool." <laughs> I mean, more personal the conversation itself. I was going to say I've been interviewed by people and they'll say, you know, I'm so excited to welcome Jane Ann to the show. And they, you know, and I'll, 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 one time I think I corrected them, but then at the end, I, I think I said something after or, but they, they had a hard time, like either remembering or they didn't ask me. And I thought, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, that's something for that's me to, to, just for, to explain. So I appreciate you asked me at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. This is one thing I, um, I learned. So I, in the, in the, in the beginning, when I started podcasting, this was something I didn't do. And then I, I've heard it somewhere and I started doing it. So name pronunciation. Yeah. I have this preparation informing the guest again about it's not a live radio so they can relax. And I'm just sharing this because of the listeners, but you know, I was wondering about one thing because you're a voiceover artist as well. How does it help you with podcasting or radio and 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 do you use this skill set so to speak? Oh, definitely. I well, let me just say I started studying voiceover because I was working at Hewlett Packard and nobody wanted to do the narration. So I, by default I said, well, if I'm creating this training program and nobody wants to be the on-camera narrator and do the voiceover, I'll do it. And then I started uh, getting to know the video 
person and I saw the whole library of voice talent and I felt very fortunate to be doing this. So I studied voice acting at a casting company, CP Casting in Boston, as well as with somebody else. And there, I, I learned so much about commercial voiceover and animation and industrial, wow. et, cetera, et cetera. So I would have to say it, and I've interviewed other voice actors and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's really fun to just be yourself at this point. Like at the beginning, I never would have gone into a character on air with somebody, you know, I didn't want to look stupid, sound stupid, let's say. But now I'm interviewing, for instance, Pat Fraley is one of the leading voiceover teachers in Hollywood. Wow. And wow. we're just chatting and, and he's like, you know, asking me, how would you say this? And, and it, it's just fun to be real and playful. I think that's really important. So I do use that in my show. And also when I'm recording uh, PSAs or promos, I get to voice those as well and do sound, sound effects and things like that. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And and as I've mentioned, uh, Tasia was was on the Mindset Horizon podcast, and we talked about this there. And she told me, for example, that you know I, I think about emotions, especially so when you want the listeners to hear that you are excited or enthusiastic about something, you can play with the tone of your voice. This is something I would love to learn, actually, because I'm not a native English speaker, and I think. If I want to create, that's just my belief. And I'm curious about what you think about this. But I have this belief that if I can't basically just, you know, give back my emotions Mm -hmm. by using this foreign language, it's not going to be that enjoyable for native listeners. And not everybody is a native speaker who listen to the podcast. But still, I think that is something I could improve the whole experience of my show. Are you implying you wanted to get rid of your accent? Because I think your English is great. I mean, the tonalities mainly when it comes to emotion. So for example, surprise or okay. enthusiasm. Wait, wait a minute, or- wait a minute. Tibor, that's your surprise? Like, surprise. <laughs> yeah. if, I, if you walk into your room to a room and, and 30 people pop out and you haven't seen them because of quarantine what's your reaction going to be? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> it, I, it, the fact you're laughing, I mean, it's good. You, you, it just, that doesn't come overnight. That's, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. a practice thing where you just become more comfortable in your own skin and become mm-hmm. more playful. And that's really mm-hmm. what it comes down to. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So cool. Thank you so much for this information. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And as we are coming to the end of this episode, I wanted to ask you about maybe book recommendations. So either or um, book recommendations for the listeners, podcast host or interview recommendation that they can read or listen to, to become better interviewers. Am I allowed to mention my book as well? (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, we'll get to that after. So I really love listening to Guy Raz and NPR. Oh my gosh. He is, he's really great. I love his whole style. I mean, I love Terry Gross as well. Yeah. Tell us why also why. Oh, it's, I always say when I grow up, I want to be Terry Gross. I think everybody just loves her style. She's just, she just is very real 
She's very, very intelligent. And I love the conversations that she has with different people, all calibers of life. And same with Guy Raz. I mean, what he's doing right now is he has a um, a show. It's based on his book that's coming out called How I Built This. And he basically has this show where he interviews, you know, hundreds of entrepreneurs, which is what I'm interested in too, I, my new show, and how they started their business and what, what they're doing right now. Like he interviewed the... Um, the founders of Wayfair, which, you know, it's a huge supplier of furniture furniture and everything you can imagine and how they took care of their employees and how they looked, looked at this unfortunate opportunity as an opportunity to grow and not disappear during this horrible pandemic. So there's, I think there's a lot to learn from these podcasters mm, that, that you can apply to your own life right now. Love so, that, love that. Um, and the other thing I would recommend, there's a book called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And that really helped me because some days I get these ideas and she basically says, this, you have to run with that idea because if you don't, it'll run to somebody else. And I'm not joking. Like if I get a script idea, which I'm finishing up, I have to finish that script because if not, it's going to leave my mind. It's going to leave my brain and I'll never get that creative oomph, you know, that kick yeah. to do it. Wow. So yeah. do it. So if now is the time. If you, if anybody listening has a creative idea, put it on paper, at least outline it, write it down. Um, and lastly, my book, get the funk out, bleed mm -hmm. pat, you know, pizza happens, whatever you call it. Uh, <laughs> uh, what to do next um, is filled with stories of inspiration and resilience and it basically looks at where are you, where do you want to be, and how are you going to get there? And those are three really important questions anybody can ask themselves right now. Wow, I love that. And I would highly recommend to the listeners that they check out the Mindset Horizon podcast as well, because you're going to be a guest on that show, my other show. And then we're going to talk about uh, the book and, and then your journey and then your motivations and aspirations and then as i feel you're really passionate about these topics get the funk out and and you use this amazing medium to to spread the word which which is you know is resonating a lot because i'm aspiring to do the same with this podcast this one as well and then the mindset horizon podcast as well great and yeah before i ask my last question tell the listeners where they can find you and get in touch with you. Sure. So if they can just go to my website, which is Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, -E, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, Bernstein.com. There's information on my show, myself, and Outside the Box, my new series. Awesome. Love that. And the link or the links are going to be in the show notes and available on our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. And uh, my last question is, what is your vision for your podcast in the future? Well, you are going to be the first really interview to, to hear this, but I came up with this new vision for Outside the Box, which has to do with helping uh, high school and college students find mentors so for instance, with all the disruption of COVID, 
when a student lost their internship, when a college grad lost their potential job, what do they do? So I am, I am introducing people in industries to students and people of all ages, actually, and having them have conversations so they have a path. They have some positivity right now because of all the disruption we've had. That's wonderful and powerful. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. And thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It has been my pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate you joining us for this episode of the podcast interview mastery show. If you feel inspired to hang out with other like-minded podcasters, make sure to join the podcast interview nation community at mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview nation. If you want to check out the details, show notes, book recommendations, interview tips, and free resources, please make sure to head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. I will catch you next time. And until then, be world class, my friend.